Each Sunday during the Lenten season, the six weeks prior to Easter, we've been studying a passage of Scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It's verses 14 through 20. And then each Sunday, taking a different part of that passage and unpacking that as we journey toward Easter. So today, we continue starting at verse 14, and our focus verse is verse 17 today. Hear God's word. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. And everybody said, amen. One of our family's very favorite television programs is Fixer Upper on HGTV. Now, choir, how many of you, you like that show, right? Raise your hand, go ahead, get it over with. How many of you, wow, a whole lot of you like that show as well. Well, we enjoy it. If you aren't familiar with it, there's a couple, Chip and Joanna Gaines, and they live in Waco, Texas, and they have their small children and their family, and they help people find their dream home, and usually it's a deplorable house called a fixer-upper. And Chip and Joanna help listen and do all of the design work and remodeling, renovations. And then at the end of every show, they unveil the fixer-upper that is brand new. And they have, it's, it's almost like a giant billboard on wheels. And they get out there in the street in front of the house and Chip and Joanna will say, are you ready to see your fixer-upper? And then, of course, the couple and they're excited about it. And it's almost as if the, the veil is being opened. And Chip and Joanna, uh, it had, the thing has wheels on it, and they slide the big billboard of the house with its before picture open, and there their eyes are set on the new home. It's exciting. And I think that God is excited when he sees us receive him. I think that God specializes in fixer-uppers. Some of us may have been brought up in the church and we've only known Jesus. 
and his word. We've only known this. And yet even if we've been raised up from the church from cradle roll, God still desires that we come to that place, that intersection in life where we make a choice to receive Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord and follow him in baptism. Others may have come from a broken past with a lot of baggage, and yet there is room for us. And still yet others may have only come to explore God or spirituality in later life, but as we heard read in Scripture, we are each created in the image of a loving God. And God said that we are good. God desires that we have relationship with him. So in our own way, each one of us, whether we've been raised in the church or have a tough past or are seeking spiritually, God looks at us as fixer-uppers and wants us to be made whole and to be in right relationship or reconciled to him. God wants to make us brand new. This changes everything. When we experience life transformation, we have been studying in this series how Christ compels us. And when we are made new, we are compelled to see others through Jesus' eyes. That he compels us to think different, to see different, to speak different, and to act different. That people might know the reason for the hope that we have in this world. And I sense all of this is wrapped up in the words of our key verse today in verse 17, really the heart of the gospel message where Paul writes, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. And you know, when we see the word therefore in Scripture, we know something's coming. We know we've got to pay close attention to the words that come next. And we ask, what's it there for? What's the therefore, therefore? What is God trying to communicate to us? And I believe here Paul is giving us the reason behind the way that we are to live as Christians. So I want to take each of the four phrases in this one verse and just kind of walk through and seek to make some application uh, for us today. So the, war, the first one is in Christ. And you know that you read the New Testament that Paul says a whole lot about being in Christ. And I believe he's pointing us back to the gospel of Jesus Christ, in particular where Jesus speaks of abiding or remaining in him. And when we go back to John's gospel, the 15th chapter, we remember these are words that he gave his disciples the night before he died on the cross. And he speaks in the, the, the vineyard. He's out in the vineyard. And he says... I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. And then starting at verse 5 of chapter 15, he says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain, key word there, if you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up down and thrown, and thrown into the fire. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask what you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands 
and remain in His love. Being in Christ is about abiding in the Father. Just as Jesus said that He did, so do we. There's another passage of Scripture in Romans chapter 11, and I'll just try to describe it for you, where Paul describes about being uh, grafted into the root system. And if any of you is familiar with horticulture, you know that vintners or people who grow fruit-bearing trees often will take a shoot of the good tree that they want to replicate, and they will place it in a root of another tree or another vine, and the shoot will produce the desired fruit that they're looking for. In the book of Romans, Paul is using that illustration, but he says something very careful that we have to see very carefully. He's, he's uh, saying that we as sinful people, my paraphrase, are grafted into the good vine. Now, horticulturists, they will take a good piece of vine or tree and they will put it in another root and that root may not be the one that they want fruit. But Paul is saying we who are sinful people are grafted into the root system of Christ Jesus and we become part of that new growth that we are made one in him so it's really beautiful to see how God desires for us to be made one with him so when we are in Christ we are abiding we are remaining in the vine or we are we are grafted into the root system of Christ Jesus there's some other illustrations you probably think of, but those two really spoke to me about being in Christ. And when we are in Christ, we are a new creation or we are new creatures. This is what Paul has, uh, he's pointing us, I believe, back to how Jesus taught Nicodemus. You remember John chapter 3 when Nicodemus came to speak with Jesus in the evening to ask him some questions. And Jesus was speaking about being born again. And Nicodemus had a very difficult time comprehending and understanding that. So Jesus hel helped him to, to further have that picture in his mind. And Nicodemus was transformed. And as you know in Scripture, he was later very, in, very much involved in the last part of Jesus' life. The woman at the well in John chapter 4 was transformed after she heard Jesus speak about living water, so much so that she went back to her neighborhood, her community, and shared what had happened to her. And many, many people in her community were transformed because of what she shared with them. And then when we look at Acts chapter 9 in the New Testament, we see of Paul's conversion experience and how his life was transformed. And he, who was a persecutor of Christians and wanted to see the church to its demise, became one of the best advocates for the gospel that we know of and wrote over half of the New Testament. In Christ, we become new creatures. We are transformed by His power. The word transformed in Romans 12, too, is metamorphosis. That's where we get the word metamorphosis. It's what Amanda was talking about when she described what happened to a caterpillar who becomes a butterfly. And when our daughter was young in our former church and singing in the children's choir they sang a song called bullfrogs and butterflies 
Raise your hand if you know that song, if you've ever heard of it. I don't, I don't see any of you who did. My daughter knows it. And honey, I'm not going to sing it, so don't worry. But these two creatures are among others who experience a total transformation. A caterpillar to butterfly and a little tadpole to a bullfrog. Totally different outcome. And the song goes, bullfrogs and butterflies, we've both been born again. Bullfrogs and butterflies, we've both been born again. Old tadpole in the fishing hole, he couldn't croak or jump to save his soul. Then one day, it's the funniest thing, why? He started growing and turning green. Yes, he jumped up on a lily pad, and he was croaking out a song, gave it all he had. Bullfrogs and butterflies, they've both been born again. And then a little caterpillar on a blade of grass, she noticing the days going by so fast. She's a lovely little lady. She's looking for a room. She's weaving and spinning out a fine cocoon. Why, it didn't take long till she saw the sky. Spread your wings, you butterfly. Bullfrogs and butterflies, they've both been born again. New creatures. In Christ, we have new life. We are new creatures. The old life is gone. The new has come. Though the old life is gone, how many of you are able to forget the old life? I don't know about you, but I have a hard time forgetting the old life. Reminds me of the story, pastor was counseling a couple who had been married for years and years, and he said, Pastor, every time my wife and I get into an argument, my wife gets historical. And the pastor said, don't you mean hysterical? And the husband says, no, I mean historical. She keeps bringing up everything over and over and over again. The past is often hard for us to forget. And honestly, I don't think we can. I think through the grace of God, when we become believers and are transformed, we can put things in the back of our mind and we can choose not to get historical. But we don't forget our past because our past helped, as hard as it may have been, helped to shape us into the people we are today. I would love to go back and undo my mom and dad's divorce. My mom and dad got separated when I was nine years old. They got back together. When I was 10 years old, they separated again. So we moved out to an apartment. We moved back to our house. We moved to another apartment. And that was it. That was hard. And if you had asked me if I'd want to go through that again, I'll tell you no. I can't undo that. But God enables us to see good come out of things that are often bad. When I was in seminary, my first, it was my second year, I was interning for the single adult minister at First Baptist Richmond. And there at First Richmond, even to this day, they have a very strong divorce recovery workshop that meets 
probably I think still on Sunday evenings. And through my past experience of being a child of divorced parents, our singles minister, Ralph Starling, enabled me to create a curriculum and program to minister to teenage children of divorced parents. I never would have been able to do that had I not been through it myself. You can probably think of things in your life that God has worked redemptively to enable you to use to minister to other people. The old life is gone, but that doesn't mean we can just forget about it. New life is here. In Christ, new creature, the old has passed away, the new has come. And the Bible promises us that new life comes from Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ. A life on earth framed by the character and person of Jesus Christ himself. A new life, new ways of being and doing, a fresh start for us fixer-uppers. An abundant life in heaven is promised to us when our earthly journey is done. But until that time comes, we are to live life to the full here on this earth, allowing God to use us to see other lives transformed, that people will have the same hope that we have. We must, though, realize that our lives are not intended to live in isolation. You know, earlier in the service when we were doing the meet and greet, Matthew was greeting you all and my mic was on. That, uh, Matthew and I carried on just a little brief two-way uh, conversation between the two of us. And it was really neat to have that life lesson today that we are not intended uh, to live in isolation as Christians, we are not intended to keep that just to ourselves in our little circle. Matthew and I could have just kind of continued on and ignored all of you, but rather recognizing that we are one and we are here collectively in tune with the Father to experience his goodness. When Philip and I were doing worship planning, we meet every week and planning for today's service, he shared with me a concept that I hadn't heard before. I'm not a musician. Some of you are and will appreciate this. He t showed me this tuning fork, so I borrowed it from him. And he says, when, uh, and he's quoting A.W. Tozer, who shared this in one of his books. A.W. Tozer is a well-known uh, theologian. And Philip says, when 100 pianos are tuned to the same tuning fork, they are automatically in tune with each other. But if you tune all of the other pianos from the first piano, all 100 will be out of tune. There's an outside source that they have all bowed to that unites them in one accord. It does not work to try and tune individual pianos and then piano after piano. They've got to be tuned to the same source. In the same way, 
when you and I are tuned in to the same source, we are tuned in to others who have God as their source. God is our life source. God is our life source. And the question for each of us today, is God our source of life? Let's pray together.